morning. No room. It's very familiar words in a passage if you've been around the scriptures, around the church, around the gospel story very long. So I thought in three weeks I would try to unpack in areas that we have no room. So we're kicking off the Christmas series and I want you to open your Bibles to the second chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 7. At the end of that it goes... Charlie Brown. No, that, I mean, when, how many of you think when you read this section of Scripture, you think Charlie Brown? You know, that happened 50 years ago. I read the other day. What was interesting, when they first did that, they said, some people will be offended if you put the biblical story in there. And they said, tough. And they put it in there. And now it's replayed year after year. Now that's 50 years ago. I just wonder if somebody would have the courage today to say, we're going to make sure we put it in there. But this is a great story. We're going to read that passage in a minute. But I want to think about this. Making room. uh, Honoring guests in your home. Many of us will have honored guests over the next several weeks in our home. And you're saying, oh, is that what we call them now? Honored guests. We will have pests. I mean, we will have family members and friends and cousins. And How many of you just raise your hand if you have a crazy uncle? Just raise your hand. No, I mean, no, no, you might be that crazy uncle. You don't want to raise your hand. But the truth is, there'll, there'll be a lot of folks, and there'll be guests that come in our home. Friday night, the last few years, we've had the honor and the joy of hosting the staff Christmas party in our home. And Friday night came over, and, man, we just, this team gathered, and, man, we just had a lot of fun. We had a great meal together, and then we played Dirty Santa, and then we played Catchphrase. And we just had a, we just, I won't tell you everything we did, because I just can't tell you. But it was a lot of fun. And so they were the honored guests in our home. And I, I just keep thinking about that theme. I, I know when I used to travel a lot, and I don't do that now, but a couple of months ago, I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I traveled up. I, I wanted to make sure I didn't travel during the snow. So, sorry, Mike. And uh, so I got up there, and actually we had a cold weekend. It got in the 30. That was the coldest of the year. But when I got there, it was so fun. I mean, it was like they were rolling out the red carpet. They were treating me, you know, like, I mean, how many of you like to be treated really special? Can you be honest? I mean, yeah, yeah. And so I'm just thinking, man, this honored guest. But we're going to talk about somebody really didn't get very honored. And we know this story, but I think what I'm trying to say, it's going to set us up this morning thinking about it. You know, over the last weeks, or maybe this week, maybe today you're going to get your tree. If you put up trees, I don't know. You'll you'll decorate and you'll get your house ready. and You'll begin to maybe do a little extra cooking. I feel like this week I've been on an eating binge. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No, no, not that you know I've been on an eating bench. Have you been on an eating bench? I mean, last night we had a worship team party. We had a Friday staff party. Wednesday night we had a potluck Christmas dinner. Hey, does anybody want to have us for dinner tonight? I mean, you know, let's go ahead and blow it out for Jesus, you know? But no, no, no. I don't think I could. If I do, I'm going to get some really big pants this year for Christmas. Okay, here we go. That wasn't funny. Okay, all right, Luke 2. Hey, would y'all stand with me for reading God's Word? Luke chapter 2. And I'm not going to do it with a Charlie Brown voice or anything, okay? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. We'll stop there. Who, who are we talking about up to Thanksgiving? King David. Here it is, the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Lord, thank you for your holy word. May this living text speak to us in fresh ways today in Jesus' name. And God's people said, be seated. Yeah. You're like, wow, okay, I'm ready for Christmas. Where are the presents? We read the Christmas story. We read part of it. No, 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 you're missing it. We're trying to get ready. Okay. Well, when, when I think about that, you just look on the, uh, there, there's another verse because just at the right time Christ came. Look at the, the verse that'll come up. It's Galatians 4 4. I love this passage. It says, but when the right time, it didn't say when a time came or sometime, it says when the right cosmos, when the right time came, God did what? He sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. I love that. This, uh, you know, Caesar Augustus here, he, he, he thinks that, uh, that it was all about him. And what I've learned over the years of reading scripture and studying, and again this week, was that he was really a pawn in the hand of God. How many of y'all believe this morning that God is sovereign and that God is in control of all situations and all circumstances, even the crazy stuff going on in our world? How many of you believe God's still in control? He is. So nothing rises or falls into power and comes into being without the Lord allowing it to happen. So here in this story, there's a, a world setting, a, a national setting. There's an anticipation for Israel. They have long awaited the Messiah. They, they, they look forward to that. And it starts there. It says an eternity past is how it's kind of described. But then a Messiah will come, and he will come from Bethlehem. In the scriptures, the, the prophets even uh, related this. They, they, uh, they, they point to us. And so there's this whole country there in the Judean countryside. And you, you see here in Israel, and, and the world was ready at just the right time. P there was a peace in Israel. It was a, a wicked peace. It, it wasn't a peace. It, it was under heavy Roman rule. They, they forced peace on this part of the world. They, they really did. The people of Israel had been bludgeoned into submission, but there, there was a form of peace. And Augustus ruled. The, the scripture we just read, it says Caesar Augusta issued a decree, because he was a king, he was able to do that, that it should be taken of the entire Roman world. Because he was large and big ego and, and, and wanted to take control and possession of everything. And when you, I, I got into studying this, I, I'd forgotten this, that Caesar Augustus, it, it basically it means that he is the divine Caesar of the gods. He really thought himself to be a little G, a little God. And he wanted to be worshipped and he wanted people to pay honor to him. And he wanted people to pay allegiance to his kingdom. Now, there were some cool things that happened under the Roman rule of his uh, kingship. One thing is, there was a lot of roads that were built. Now these roads were later used to carry the gospel to the world. See, he thought it was all about him and his control, but God is so, didn't that encourage you this morning to know that God's bigger than even when man thinks he can orchestrate something for his own good, and God says, no, I'm gonna trump that. I mean, trump, that, that's a political word. Let me, let me move on, I, I gotta use the other one. I, uh, here we go. But here it is. He, he wanted the, you know, Caesar Augustus is, is not his name. It's a title. It, it, it means like a, a, a small God here. And he was born. He, he was the nephew of Julius Caesar. I mean, he, he had a pretty important lineage that he, that he came from. He was a skilled military leader. He was a, a savvy 
politician. I mean, he, he, had, a, he had an astute mind. I mean, he, he was a good guy. He really was. But, and so during his rule, things happened. A census was taken. We do a census now about every, what is it, 14 years or so? Anyway, we, we do a census. And that day they did a, t- a census. And the purpose of the census was kind of twofold that they would have some things done for them. That, that you would know how many would pay taxes, how much would come into the treasury. So they, would, they wanted people counted because that was important for, for, for money to come forward. But, you know, they also, they had a, they had a tax. We think we're heavily taxed. They, have, they had a tax for everything. They had a tax for their homes. They had a tax for their cart if they pulled a cart. They had a fish tax. They had a, a pole tax. They had a military tax. They had a, an income tax. They had, a, they had a tax to breathe. A little, not really. But the, they had a tax for everything. And so, you know, but, but it all came into the coffer. And, and he, so he was able to build these roads. And as I said, the roads were really used for, for a good purpose. He thought they were for him. But, but look here. On the scripture, we talk about he came from Bethlehem. Listen to what the prophet said. I just want you to look at it. You know this verse, but it's so cool how words would be spoken hundreds of years before Christ, and they would be fulfilled. It's called fulfilled prophecy in Christ. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, very small place, yet a ruler of Israel, and it is, whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. This basically is eternity past, and what God had foretold, what God had promised. Do you know God fulfills every promise that he has in Jesus? Is that, I was reading this morning in my own personal quiet time. And it talked about God fulfills his promises. And matter of fact, I'm going to show it to you. This, I, I just found it this morning. Look at um, Luke. Just turn over Luke 1 verse 37. Look at this verse. Luke 1 37. I love this. Oh, that, that is the sweetest sound. When I'm old and gray, I will hear that sound no longer. Did, did, did y'all hear that sound? You're saying, are you going deaf? Well, that doesn't be part of it. I just heard scriptures turn. I, I, I pray we never totally get away from having pages. All right, look, look at verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God here. No, how many of you believe that this morning? I mean, there's nothing impossible with the Lord. I mean, his word will be fulfilled to every generation. Everything that God has said will come to pass. Much of it has. Much of it is future tense, future kingdom. It will come. Man, it's just exciting here. But Joseph and Mary, as we read here in the text today, they've got a journey to make. Now, women, um, let's just think about it for a minute. How many of you women would love to be pregnant? Hold on, don't, don't raise your hand. How many of you women would be, love to be great with child and get to make a long journey of somewhere 70 to 80 miles? How many of you would like to do that? I mean, doesn't that sound like fun? I mean, you're like, man, it's not even fun to get in a suburban and ride on a trip when you're pregnant, you know? But, but they, they didn't have that. And, and they began to make, make this trip that we all know about. And, and they go into Bethlehem. Now, what, is, what does Bethlehem mean? House of bread. The, the, the scripture is so meaningful and the, and the hidden meanings behind the words in just Bethlehem, house of bread. Jesus said it this way one day, I am the bread of life. That's Jesus. And here he, he comes out of Bethlehem. Micah the prophet already foretold as we read here in scripture. And, and who would have thought, not a palace situation that we see, but two 
humble peasants in a small community marching under the lead of Caesar Augustus, although really they're marching under the rule and the order of God himself under Jesus. But God turns to a peasant home in Nazareth. Now let's stop there for a minute. It's pretty cool to me. It shows me that nobody is insignificant to the Lord, that small things are important to God. Are you grateful for that today? That means our church, even though we're not a big church, it means we have a place in the kingdom of Christ that is powerful. In any fellowship, in any people that bear the name of Jesus, they they have something significant to bear to this world. that's, That's a pretty awesome thought. But Joseph... He, he is from a town that he has to go up and, and register, so he takes his wife or his betrothed, his, his girlfriend, his fiance, how you like that term, he's, he's engaged to her, and, and they're going to make this journey. As, you know, and, and we're going to look at different parts of the Christmas story over these weeks, but we know this, the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. You see, it looks like Well, there's a census. There was a census. It was all about taxes and military rule and all that. Yes, it was. But the child, the Christ child, the incarnation of God, had to be born in Bethlehem. So God orchestrated it that it had to come to pass. Even this, Caesar thought, oh, I am great one. Worship me. Hell to Caesar. Our allegiance is to you. No. God says, the child will be born in Bethlehem. I have already foretold it. But see, a lot of times we just blow through that when we read Scripture and we go, wow, God is just so cool that he's in charge and he's sovereign, that he rules, and they're making this 80-mile track, if you will. And, and so uh, you look here, so Jesus comes forth. Now, there's a thousand verses or about in the book of Luke. And there's only a couple of verses here devoted by this simplistic writing of Luke, verses 6 and 7. So just go back to the text here, 6 and 7. While they were there, now we don't know exactly how long. We, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to mess y'all up a little bit today on nativity and how we celebrate. And I love nativities. Let me just go ahead and tell you that. We have nativities sets all over our house. It helps us focus on Christ, and, and that's good. But there's a lot of detail and traditions that we've read into stuff. And you, there's not a lot of talk about the animals. That, I don't know about you. <laughs> Pastor Keith gets down with his grandson. McLean. This is a donkey. I, I don't use the other word. And, uh, and, 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 we play, and, we, and we play with the animals, and he gets them, and he pounds them on the fireplace. It, it's fun. And we play, but we don't read a lot about the animals here. But, and, and we don't know exactly how long it was, and I'm going to probably mess you up on the manger because we've all got these little pictures from the, from the Hallmark greeting cards. But I know everybody's like, oh, that's so sweet. Well, I'm not going to show you any, okay? All right, so we're, we're going to keep going. So Because somehow in our world, we've dressed up nativity, you know, the, the church of nativity, they're in Israel and, and how glamorous and tinsel and, and lights and all that. That, that wasn't the way, way it was. <laughs> it's become a tourist trap in Israel, it, as much has. But I'm sorry, we're going to go to Israel, I pray, in 2016. We've never done Israel as a church. This year we're hoping to take our first mission trip ever to Mount Carmel. How many would be interested in something like that? Mount Carmel? Okay, well, good. 
Uh, Don and I will be going. No, 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 I'm, 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 a whole bunch of us. I hope we get to go on that. So nativity here. So uh, if we're not careful, he, he gives us, but he doesn't give it too much detail because if you get too much detail, it might divert us from Jesus because it wants to focus on Christ. I, I want you to, to back up because I think it's interesting here. In verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. Mary had what? More than Jesus. He had half-brothers and sisters, Okay. I mean, he, he has one father. He has an earthly father that hangs out and teaches him in the carpenter shop. That's Joseph, but really his father is God. And, you know, in the whole virgin birth, that's part of our huge foundation of our faith. But he goes on to have others. But it's interesting that Luke denotes this. He goes, birth to her first. Plus, she's only about 13, 14. I've read so much on this over the years. Uh, I just saw John Bush back there. Jeff's dad's a scholar. Maybe he could help me. I've seen anywhere that Mary's anywhere 13 to 17. Is that pretty much in all the readings? Anyway, Mary is a teenager. How many of you would like that, teenagers? You would be a mom. I don't recommend it. Okay, okay, so here. Uh, no, no, all right. So here it is, First, firstborn son. Just write down Matthew 13, 55, okay? Because it makes a reference to uh, other brothers and half-brothers and sisters in verse 56. You just move on through that. But move on down through. So a time for a baby, a firstborn, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Now, th this manger thing, I I'm going to talk to you about this a little bit because I've done so much study on this over the years. And especially this week, I just went back and I went back and I go, okay, that's tradition. This is what I really think happened. And even the great scholars will, will disagree at some point, but, but, but I think it could help us. They, they place him in a manger. The manger, just go ahead and write somewhere. I left you your room just to write for notes today. The manger is a, is a feeding trough. And it's a place that they care for the animals. Not a, a posturepedic mattress, okay? Not a, not a very nice place. Uh, Jesus doesn't come to the Hilton, okay? He doesn't even come to Hotel 6 and they left the light on for him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he, you know, he, he's here in, a, in, in this feeding trough, in, in this rough there's no pretty bassinet in the palace for Jesus. Now, he will come again. He'll come in all his glory. But the first time he doesn't do it, there's, uh, um, he comes here to the house of bread, you know, to Bethlehem. He, the, the thing I love about Jesus is he loves to identify with common people. He loves to humble himself and become a ransom for many eventually. He, he loves to not bring all the limelight. He, he just broadcasts the glory of God. So he comes, and it's a, a stinky manger set, if you will. It's, it's, it's this place. Matter of fact, maybe sometimes we get a little confused here or, or we wonder. But I, I want you to write down 2 Corinthians 8 9. I want to get back to this detail. In 2 Corinthians, it says, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus knew poverty. He was born to these young parents. Didn't even have a proper place to be born, really. It was a place that God had approved. So Jesus identifies with you and I when we are down and out and, and don't have much and when we maybe we have some or we have a lot. And, and that's interesting to know. But... I want to I just, I don't want to baffle you because I can't baffle you. I don't have the ability and that'd be stupid. But I want to give you a great Greek word. And so today when you're having uh, conversations in the marketplace and you're out shopping or you're out with people, you can go, well, could you tell me about the Cataluma? And they'd be like, the who? Because this is what it is when you, when you read it in, in the Greek, Greek the, the word in, 
The word in means cataluma. Look what it means. It means an in, a lodging place. Now, I really think we, we give this innkeeper a bad rap. We go, oh, the innkeeper, and, you know, he didn't love Jesus. You know, I'm going to kick him. No, hold on, hold on. Basically, their only job there was to, was to keep hay for the animals and to maybe to build a fire, to keep it warm. It wasn't like they were at the, the, the desk. They were the clerk with the computers, and they were taking reservations at the end, okay? I mean, it just somehow we, we think, well, that's what I think it is. It's an eating place. It's a dining room. Uh, the Cataluma, write down this word. It's a guest chamber. Th- that's what it is. The word in that we have in our vernacular, when I think in, I think nice hotel, or at least a cheap hotel. No, I think maybe a bed and breakfast. No, no, this, that wasn't what this was. It's the Cataluma. It's, it's the guest place. Now, it's, it's interesting when you study this because they, they, they found lodging there, and it wasn't maybe proper lodging, but it was sufficient lodging. Maybe when they went there for Joseph to go up to register from that which he was from, very possibly there were some relatives there. So a lot of times we give the innkeeper this horrible rap, but I want you to hear something today. It could be that they got there, and there were already uncle... Now, I'm, I'm using my sanctified imagination just a little bit, okay? Maybe Uncle Harry and Aunt Sally were in, in some of the rooms, okay? But they, they didn't have any more room left here. I mean, there just wasn't. There was a, maybe there were some things upstairs, maybe upper room, maybe, you know, some people sleeping. And, and downstairs, they were kind of maybe having the meal place. And then it kind of spilled over into this enclosure, and that's where the animals were. And a lot of times in that part of the country, they would even bring the animals in out of the weather. But, but, that's, but that's all they had available. But we always, but you know, yet God's behind this. He orchestrates it. God allows this to happen for, for Jesus. And uh, so a lot of times I, I just look at it and I go, man, the inn's not a five-star hotel. There's no food. There's no host. Um, it, it's just a tough situation. But maybe one, one uh, scholar said this, often there was a huddle of shed set apart from the main edifice, from the main house, stables for, for, the, for the donkeys and the camels and the buffaloes and the goats, and they, they all gather there. Others would say, no, it was, it was a cave. You, you could step down into the thing, and there was this manger, and we think wood, because if we, we've done it here on this stage, we, we built a nice wooden one, but it was really probably concrete, okay, or a hard substance, and, and it was only about... Uh, three foot long and about 18 inches wide and and and, and and then it had some straw in it okay I mean it was just it was just a meager place but it was a place to, for the Christ child and and I'm you're saying well why are you telling us so much history because I, I, I think you need to know some uh the history of this I think we need to know and we won't just run through the story that um there let me shift it forward there, there really wasn't a place for Jesus. There was no room. There's no room in the inn. So he, he got kind of over here on the side. We do find a place for Jesus. He found a place one day, and it was just made for Jesus. It was called Golgotha. It was a cross. And, and this morning... <laughs> As sober as I am and sober as I want you to be about this moment, I want you to think about the cross. That was the place that we reserved for God. The first time, man, we really messed it up. We really didn't have a nice place for him. That was God's story. And then he gets a cross. 
gets a wooden cross, a, an instrument of torture. And you're like, well, man, you've like, you've like really messed up the Christmas story. That was my goal. No, 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 no. My goal was just forced to, to think about how it all foretells the coming of the Christ and that he would go to the cross for redemption. That, that, that's the hope. So the, I like what Zig Ziglar, he was a great communicator, great writer. And Zig said one time, he says, my brother travels a lot and he gets into many hotels that have no vacancy signs when he travels. So he learned something. He says, uh, he would say, you know, if the president of the United States was coming to your hotel, would you have a room for him? They said, oh, oh yes, we, we would find a room for the president. He says, well, I happen to know the president's not coming. Could I have his room? And, and the story went on to say that many times Zig, his brother, got a room. So try that next time you're traveling. Just, they might get you kicked out. I, I don't know. But here he is. He's, he's, he's not the president. He's not the prime minister. He's God. And there's no room. And you're like, well, wow, okay, well, that's kind of helping me here. But here, here's where I'm really trying to go with this today. I'm trying to go, is there room for Jesus this Christmas? Man, there's room in our houses for trees and ornaments and nativities and, and toys and play sets and all these fun things. And in and, and, and our house, we move some furniture out so we make room for a... Oh, y'all do that too, do you? Yeah. And so we, we make all kind of room. We make adjustments to, to put stuff so we can adorn our house for the, the season. We, we love Christmas. Matter of fact, we start the, mon we start the Monday prior to Thanksgiving. I I'm sorry, I know I've ruined it for you. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to do that much work, let me give you a tip. Go ahead and enjoy it. So, yes, uh, glory. Okay, so, so, so we start then. And we make room all month. And we're making room. But boy, get into that, man. We're, I'm praying. You're praying. Now let's make room for Jesus. I mean, that, that, that's the whole crux of what this is. But there's going to be all these crowded events and affairs and life and busyness. We talked about this this morning in the men's prayer group that's going to try to crowd your time out. And so I just got a couple of questions if you want to write in notes. What's my attitude toward Jesus? I mean, what's my attitude this Christmas toward him? Jesus, you didn't do for me this. Jesus, you didn't give me what I wanted. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Whose birthday are we celebrating? Jesus, but we're like, but I didn't get, it's not your birthday, okay? Just, just think about that. So we say no room with our attitude, with our behaviors. Uh, I ask you this, this is a huge thought. Is there room in your thought life for Jesus? Is there room for Christ to transform your mind this Christmas season? Is there time for you to, to make room, to allow space, to create margin, to say, Lord Jesus, come and invade me. Come and invade my heart, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I will make room for you. Our pastor has done his best to try to tell us a little bit what was going on historically, but Jesus, I'm, I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to make room. You've got room in my heart to reside. You've got room in my heart to conquer to transform, to change me. You know, back in the 40s, a great IBM CEO said one time, this is how foolish he was. I mean, he was pretty smart. I mean, he got to run IBM. That, that wasn't bad. They asked him, they said, what do you think about small computers? He said, well, I think there might be room for five personal computers in the world. Isn't that stupid? I mean, you got five computers in your house, Game Boys and all that stuff, you know? 
And yet, he, he, but you know, like, well, we don't have room for that. Well, now, man, everybody makes room for it. I mean, Apple's very glad that you made room for it, okay? So here it is. So, so are we making room for the Son of God? Christmas, are, are we exing Christ out? You know, I personally, I became a Christ follower in, in, in 1978, January of 78, I started following Jesus. And that year, I remember as I came to the first Christmas, I'd always wrote Xmas. I just did, you know, abbreviate. The first Christmas, I was so in love with Jesus, I, I stopped that year. I never wrote Xmas again. I always wrote Christmas. And when I see it, it just irritates me. I mean, if you want to irritate me, send me a card that says Xmas. It just, I pray for your salvation. But, 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 but no, not really. Because, but, but let me tell you, see, the world does everything it can to X Jesus out of the story. But if you really want to know, X isn't as bad as I thought because Kai, X, Kai, what is Kai? Christ. So even when they're trying to discount Jesus, they're honoring Jesus. Isn't that funny? Okay, you don't think it's funny. Okay, anyway. But I, I, I still, I don't want to come in here and Jeff goes, all right, we're going to have Xmas on the screen. That, that, that just doesn't do it for me. Anyway, I, I just thought I'd share that with you. Let me, let me share these things with you because I, I think, is there room for Jesus is there room for the Holy Spirit to come and to move and make his way in your heart? Uh, not taking Christ out of Christmas. That's just foolishness. The world will do everything it can to take Christ out of Christmas. And I'm going to do everything I can as a preacher to try to encourage you to make Christ the very center of your life every day. And especially at Christmas. Are, are we among those that we realize his ways are higher than my ways? But I want you to see something here this morning I think is helpful. Honoring Jesus in Christmas. These are 12 practical things that I'm going to uh, look at. Matter of fact, John 1.11. Let's just share this verse right here as I get ready. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. He came to his own and they rejected him. When Jesus comes to you, when Jesus knocks on the door of your heart, do not reject him. Today there could be people in this room that need salvation. Do not reject the Messiah. Do not reject Christ. But let's move with this. I want you to see this honoring Jesus. Number one, give God a gift from you. I, I don't know what that gift might be, but I'm asking you to consider it this Christmas season. You're out buying gifts for different people and, and making gifts and doing all this stuff, but just give Jesus a gift. Like, God, I want to give you a gift from me. Here's some things that we do. We have a life tree in the foyer with Save a Life. It's one way that I give to God at Christmas. We buy presents. You buy presents for prison fellowship. You, you buy gifts there. Uh, another thing that we do, our kids this year, they're buying chickens. I know you're like, that's a little weird. No, they're buying chickens for people on the other side of the world that they might be able to eat. They're, buying, they're raising money for a bicycle that an evangelist, a pastor, might be able to carry the gospel in the community. So your kids, if they ask you for money or they want to do extra jobs, it could be that they've caught the spirit of Christmas. They, they want to give God a gift. Secondly, set aside time to read the Christmas story. Don't let me just do it for you here. Don't let just your favorite Bible teacher on podcast or radio, in your heart, in your home, read the Christmas story. Three, make the nativity central in your home. A few years ago, we did this big thing, Christmas in the city here. We, we had kids from Cleveland Court all over the city, hundreds of kids. They came here. Then we went to their community one year. It was really a lot of fun. And Don and I went out looking for a nativity. We have all these nativities, but we went to buy one that year. That year, there was a shortage of nativity sets. Was there not, Donna? It was the craziest thing. We couldn't find a nativity set. I went, there's something wrong. We're leaving Jesus. The other day, somebody found some pieces 
and everybody was gone, but Jesus was left. It's amazing how many times, you know, Jesus just, just left out, like make him the central. Look at the fourth one here. Visit the elderly and listen to their story. You know, I'm going to be old one day. I want you to come see me, okay? I mean, I mean, there might be, that's funny. And there might be some older people in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family. Go see them, love them. Five, serve your family. And write in parentheses, especially your mom. And the church said, and the kids went, no, man, I want her to cook for me. I want her to clean for me. I want to fuss at her. She is woman. No, that's wrong. Love her. Serve her. Look at, look at the sixth one. Simplify to express greater generosity. Instead of maybe you getting everything on your list this year, maybe you could go, is there something we could do for somebody else? It'd be a Jesus thing. Six. That was six. Seven. Send cards that convey your love for the Lord. There's so many cute cards and stuff, and then that's all cool and fine. I love humor. But maybe in there you write a little uh, greeting that's spiritual. You have a, a spiritual card. I don't know. It's just a way to honor Christ during Christmas. Look at number uh, eight. Let the spiritual music of Christmas ring through your home. I don't know about you. I, I get excited. I love music. And I love when the sounds of Christmas flood through my office and through my home and through the car and through the church. How many of you love the music today? And let me tell you, it's just going to continue all season. Next Sunday night, man, let it just begin to fill your house, okay? Nine, send a Christmas card and a gift to a missionary. Find a missionary that you believe in. We have missionaries that we support. Maybe there's a missionary you know. Maybe there's a missionary that you went to school with. Send them a card. Send them a, a, a love gift. I mean, it's just an awesome thing. Uh, Ten, invite a neighbor to join you at church this season. Just say, hey, why don't you come and go to church with me this season this is everything to me. I think, it, I think it'll encourage you. I think it'll inspire you. I think it'll pick up your day. Would you come with me? Uh, 11. Put Santa in his place. I'm not a Santa hater, okay? So don't send me emails, okay? Is, is the next screen going to come up? This is one of my favorite things. It sits in my office. And, and, and I, just, I just think it's cool. Santa bows to Jesus. Everybody, every knee shall bow, even Santa. Amen? Okay, you're not as thrilled about it as I am. Okay, but put him in his place. Twelve. Just throw a birthday party for Jesus this month. Our kids will do that. They'll, they'll throw a big party for Jesus. Maybe in your home you could do that with your little ones or your grandkids. I, I don't know. I just, the Bible says, the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. So this is kind of the first installment that I wanted to start on this morning, just thinking about Christmas.